As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. And we are live. Another 49ers live room. This one on a really important week. This game has been circled on the calendar for a really long time. David Lombardi and Matt Barrows with you before the 49ers head to Philadelphia. The 10-1 and Eagles might be the first road underdog ever. I, I saw a stat, Matt, up... Uh, on Twitter, I think somebody from CBS posted it. They said that never been a road underdog, uh, a home underdog at 10 and 1 since the AFL NFL merger. But the 49ers will be waltzing into Philadelphia and they hope that they're going to be waltzing out this year. I think a big key to that is keeping their quarterback healthy this time, Matt. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I could probably, uh, you could probably guess that the 49ers don't love being the favorites in this game. Um, I asked uh, Kyle Shanahan about that yesterday, and he said he has he has no idea how those things uh, are worked. Um, but and uh, you know he's trying to do the thing where he's um, putting as much praise on the Eagles as possible. And then in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni said uh, that's fine. Uh, this this town does a great job at being the underdog. So I think this uh, is definitely a uh, in the Eagles' favor, they'll they'll rally around the fact that hey, here we are, ten and one. We just had two dramatic wins, and we're playing at home, and we're the underdog. Uh, so I think uh, the city of Philadelphia will really embrace that. Anything to put uh, a chip on their shoulder, uh, but you know that's all fine and dandy until the game begins and. Uh, you know, that's that's sort of a, you know, let, let's just talk about setting for a second, David, looking for all the world as if it's going to be a uh, a rainy day in Philadelphia on Sunday. And that would be the third straight game that the Eagles have played in the rain. 49ers rain record isn't that great. Uh, how do you see that uh, aspect of it playing out? Well, I just think in general, rain is always good for the underdog. <laughs> and it's funny that, that Philadelphia is an underdog in this game. I think that uh, when you're the favorite, you want all of the conditions to be as predictable as possible. You want everything to play according to serve. 
And if there's rain, then there are high, there's a higher chance of stuff not playing according to Serb. So I think last week was really interesting that there was more rain in the forecast and more rain happened than is in the forecast this week for Philadelphia against Buffalo. That was one of those games where you looked at the weather report and it said 100% rain all week, and it, and it was during the game. And this one might be a little bit more scattered on Sunday. But last week, Josh Allen still threw for 300-plus, and it just showed you why Buffalo drafted Josh Allen because, I mean, there are a lot of physical traits that, that you like about him, but the fact that he's 6'5", he's got massive hands, uh, makes him really almost immune to to these weather games, right? And that really shined for the Bills, even though they lost the game. Brock Purdy had that rain game against Cleveland where it seemed like the, the ball was having a little bit of trouble getting out of his hand. That obviously is a concern, which I think it's a concern for the vast majority of quarterbacks. I think it's it's harder to throw a wet football than it is a dry one. And not everybody is a machine, like a massive machine like Josh Allen that can overcome that. I think even Jalen Hurts struggled a little bit, especially early in that game uh, against the Bills when it was raining. So I think it's I think it's universal that that it's just going to be harder to play offense if it is in wet conditions. That being said, um, the 49ers just want things to to play according to serve, and uh, they can win a rain game. I, I I think all this is a little bit overblown. I think in general, though, you just want. You want those conditions to stay as steady as possible. Jeffrey K says rain benefits the offense. I, I don't know about that. Uh, the no. recent games uh, uh, in Washington, oh, the one in Chicago. A, a wet field might benefit the offense, but but yeah. the, the wet football doesn't benefit the offense. No, I mean, the, the ones that I'm thinking of have been decidedly low-scoring games. I mean, obviously, I think it... Uh, it depends on the degree of the rain. And, and that's sort of a question mark. Uh, the, the forecast has been um, a little bit uh, all over the map as far as how much it's going to rain on Sunday. I think everybody agrees that it's going to rain some, whether it rains during the game. And this is a late kickoff in Philadelphia. It's 425 local time there. So it may be that the, the rain passes and that there's, uh, there's no rain at all. Um, Brock Purdy was not great in the rain when it rained uh, in Cleveland. Um, you know, there's a that famous play where the ball just kind of sl- slips out of his hands, turns into a fumble. Um, his first interception of the year came when it was raining that day. Um, you know, big question about whether he would wear a glove. Does not have the biggest hands in the world. You just mentioned Josh Allen's hands. Uh, Purdy's are, are slightly below normal. Um, and, um, uh, you know, this is a guy that grew up in Arizona, um, played collegiately in, at Iowa state and had some rain games there, but, uh, not a lot of, uh, elements to deal with, uh, in his life. So, uh, I think it's a, a good question about him and whether he wears a glove. Uh, one of those Iowa state games that was, you know, uh, especially rainy, he did wear a glove and, and he, and he did okay in that game. Uh, better than you would think with uh, really, really bad circumstances. So, um, you know, I was just looking at the uh, at the takeaway numbers. Uh, both of these teams have forced eight fumbles this year. Uh, the uh, the Eagles have committed a few more fumbles than the 49ers, but it doesn't look like, um, you know, there's a big advantage one way or another. 
think uh, you know Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw uh, might like a rain game because it would give them some opportunities to punch the ball out. Maybe to punch the ball out from Jalen Hurts. That would yes. be uh, that would be well, a big play. I think you know who has fourteen giveaways. He has What's fourteen. That? He has fourteen giveaways this year. Jalen Hurts. And I think eight or nine of those are fumbles. Yeah, so he, he'll put the ball on the ground. Kansas City game in the rain there. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's a that's a great way to just uh, to discourage a guy from running, and I think that will be a uh, a big factor in this game. That was something that the Forty Niners um, obviously last year's game was skewed for all sorts of reasons, but um, you know uh, the Forty Niners did have trouble whenever Hertz took off from the pocket, and I, I expect the Eagles to do that early and often because the 49ers have had such consistent trouble with running quarterbacks. Yeah, Philadelphia's offense is the strength of this team. It's a top five unit. Jalen Hurts is playing well, but but there have been holes in his game with those with those giveaways. And he's also been sacked 29 times, which is more than the league average. So there there are there are opportunities here for the 49ers to net big negative plays that can throw the Eagles off schedule and allow the 49ers to grab control of the game. Meanwhile, Philadelphia's weakness as a team is defensively. And this is a big change from last year. This was the top defense in getting sacks last season. 49ers obviously know that all too well. A sack knocked Brock Purdy out of the game. The Eagles, they just swarmed. They created takeaways. They lined up in that wide nine. They gave your offensive tackles a whole lot of trouble. They gave your guards a whole lot of trouble. They had Javon Hargrave. Well, I think symbolically, we said this offseason, maybe Javon Hargrave moving from the Eagles to the 49ers would tip the balance of power atop the NFC. And there's a chance that 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 indeed is going to be the case. We have to see how this game plays out. But if you look at the numbers right now, Philadelphia has dropped from one of the top defenses in the league to right around middle of the pack. The run defense this year, efficiency-wise, is below average, number 17. They haven't defended runs to the edges very well. And uh, the 49ers know how that works with the wide nine. It's tough to set an edge and also be pinning your ears back and rushing the passer. So there are big-time vulnerabilities here for this Philadelphia defense, Matt. And I think, like, you know, when you talk about Jalen Hurts, you talk about the explosiveness of Devontae Smith and and, uh, A.J. Brown. I think that the Eagles are going to get get some points offensively. I, I don't. I think that's inevitable. I think that obviously, if you're the 49ers defense, you focus on uh, exploiting some of those negative plays that the Eagles seem to be vulnerable to on the offensive side of the ball. But the main key for the 49ers is to use their number one offense, Brock Purdy and company, and throttle the Eagles' mediocre defense this season. That, that That's, to me, where, where this game is going to be decided. If the 49ers control that aspect of the game, they will possess the football, they'll score a lot of points, and they'll put their defense in position to kind of prey on those giveaways that that, that I think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles' offense has has given this year. They just haven't faced a team that's that's good enough to squash them. So every game has been close, and you got to give Philly a lot of credit because they've been winning these close games. They have that clutch ability, but but the 49ers in this game, they, they can wipe that out. They can just wipe that out of the equation if they can play to serve with their number one offense against Philly's number 14 defense. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, it's um, a uh, very much worth noting that the Eagles played 92 
snaps of defense against the Bills. That's that's a game and a half worth of snaps. And um, I forget who it was. I think it was Jordan Davis, one of the defensive tackles. Uh, he was he was chasing down Josh Allen at the end of that game and um, couldn't get up on the sideline. And he thought, oh, gosh, this guy's hurt. He, he wasn't hurt. He was just he was just gassed. Uh, and I have to believe that that's going to have an impact in this game. They played on Monday night against the Chiefs. Um, emotional game, hard-fought game. They won at the end. They played uh, Sunday night against the Bills. Same thing. Went to overtime. Went to the end of overtime, really. And, um, you know, they're, they uh, they were uh, sucking fumes at the end. And uh, let's look at the um, the injury report. Uh, no Fletcher Cox on uh, Wednesday. He's got a groin issue. Uh, no uh, linebacker Zach Cunningham. He has a hamstring issue. Um, those are those are big deals, uh, especially Cox. Uh, that means that 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 rotation of defensive linemen who played all game the last game uh, might have to do the same thing. And we should note that there was no Eric Armstead for the 49ers. And, and David, you uh, you're up on his history. He was out with a foot injury. Uh, and that that seems like it could be ominous, uh, particularly for Eric Armstead. I thought that Kyle Shanahan got a bit spooked when I asked that yesterday. He he kind of just rattled off the injury report. Eric Armstead foot out of practice. I don't think Kyle really expected like an immediate follow up. And but the first, I just it was my instinct. I was like, wait, wait, foot Eric Armstead. This he missed eight games because of a plantar fasciitis condition last year plus a hairline fracture in his ankle that might have been kind of related a little bit of a complication of that so when i heard foot eric armstead alarm bells went off in my head because we know plantar fasciitis is a little bit mysterious and it's one of those things that can linger and if it flares back up oh boy especially for a guy that's six eight 300 plus pounds so i, I immediately just instinctively asked wait is, is this related to what he had last year and Kyle kind of froze up and just said, "Not sure." Um, it, it's really hard to believe that an NFL coach wouldn't wouldn't know what the you know deal with one of his star players is. So I, yeah. you know, that's that's not good. If he's not at practice today, this might be an extended absence for for Eric Armstead based on what we saw last year. So you know, I don't want to sound an alarm bell yet, but that was weird. And Thursday practice is going to be key to look at. And Eric Armstead, let's put this out there, Matt. He's been the most dominant interior rusher in football ever since the bye, ever since they picked up Chase Young. His his uh, pass rushing productivity, that includes like the 13 pressures he had against Tampa Bay, which is insane for an interior player. That's stuff that Aaron Donald like rarely does, right? Um, his pass rushing productivity has been higher than Donald's, higher than, than everybody at that defensive tackle position. And you don't have him, uh, all of a sudden that defensive line gets a lot weaker for the 49ers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he had an outstanding game against the Buccaneers um, and uh, has been really good ever since the bye. We should note that we've seen Eric Armstead in the locker room. He doesn't have a boot on. He's not limping around. But um, I think uh, we saw him like that last year, too, uh, when he was uh, fighting off that plantar fasciitis uh, issue. So, um, yeah, I think we just have to uh, uh, hope that it's not an eruption of what was sidelining him a year ago, because that was uh, that was serious and that was multi weeks for him. Uh, let's get to some questions here. The very first one from Kit Boy uh, is Burford or Feliciano or both. Um, 
Herbert is, was back at practice. He was a limited participant yesterday. Um, I noticed, though, that it was Feliciano uh, lining up at right guard with, with the first team unit. So that tells me it's either going to be Feliciano all day long in Philadelphia or they'll do some sort of rotational thing like they did last year with Burford and, and Daniel Brunskill. Um, what do you think about the idea, David, of Feliciano becoming the right guard for basically the rest of the season? Well, I think the 49ers are serious about their plan to platoon Burford and Feliciano. That was the plan before Aaron Banks went down, causing Feliciano to have to fill in at left guard. But I don't think either of these two players are, are dominant forces. I mean, we saw Feliciano replace Burford, who was hurt, against Seattle, and Feliciano gave up about the same amount of pressure that Burford gives up. Uh, he, he was getting pushed back as well. So I think in that case, when you when you don't really have a great answer at one position, but you have two, you know, you've got two iffy ones with some potential, that's when you start thinking about the platoon. And the 49ers actually did this back in 1989. That was a Super Bowl year. They platooned their tackles in that season. And, you know, one of the philosophies there was we, we talk about defensive linemen getting tired. And the mean offensive linemen magically stay fresh all game. They're they're fighting those guys too. So in theory, you can have a fresher line entering the fourth quarter, the stretch run of these games, if you're running a platoon. And and if the player is not dominant at one position, if you don't have a dominant option, then you'd rather have a fresh option there, right? You, you'd you'd want that freshness to kind of make up for maybe some of the blocking liability that there is. So I think that the platoon is something they're serious about. Feliciano's always been a solid Swiss Army knife type of player that can line up essentially anywhere on the interior, but but he's never been a, a world beater on the offensive line. Burford's still young, you know, out of UTSA. He's done some stuff on the reach blocks that they've really liked, but um, the pass protection has been an issue for him. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they're able to mix both of them in in this game against Philadelphia. Yeah, I know that they liked the rotational situation last year with Brunskill and, and, and Burford and, and felt like uh, both of those guys were playing their best when uh, when that happened. Um, you know, it, it is a, uh, a setback for Burford, though. I mean, I think the 49ers really hope that he would have taken this opportunity and run with it. And um, it's just not consistent. Um, you know, to me, he, he he's almost still playing the guard position sometimes like a tackle. Uh, he, he gets a little bit too high. He gets off balance. Uh, he's a little bit out of control. Uh, and maybe he just needs more time. I mean, we uh, maybe take for granted the fact that he uh, he switched so quickly last year as a rookie. Uh, went from uh, U- UTSA tackle to NFL guard and, and, and started just about every game and played, uh, you know, two thirds of the snaps. Um, and, um, it takes time. I mean, we saw that with Aaron Banks, barely played at all as a rookie and then came in as a second year player and was, was a lot better. So, uh, I think the 49ers still like the potential. I mean, he's the most physically gifted guy that they have playing guard. I mean, really has the potential to become something special there. Just hasn't happened, uh, to this point quite yet. Um, the next question comes from Jason M. Uh, who asks, is Marcus Peters, uh, veteran cornerback Marcus Peters, recently uh, waived by the Raiders a possible signing 
Um, David, what do you think about Marcus Peters possibly joining the 40 Ab- Absolutely not. They, they waived him from the Raiders because he wasn't getting effort on plays. So it, this is not a guy that you're going to bring into this 49er situation. They value locker room stuff, effort so much. I, 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 who would Marcus Peters be an upgrade over? He's not going to be an upgrade over Ambry Thomas if people are going to say that name first. Ambry Thomas has been playing better football than Marcus Peters this year. So you'd just be getting older with uh, potentially worse attitude. No, absolutely not. I, I don't know. I don't get this, Matt. Well, every time there's a name out there, like everybody just wants to sign him. But it's like he literally got fired from the Raiders for not putting in enough effort. Uh, and, and that's been an issue. You know, he's been kind of a locker room issue in, in more than one place before. So... That's not going to work. Well, you know, speaking of that, why don't we talk about Jason Verrett? Because Jason Verrett, uh, that's a high effort guy. That's a guy who's never taken a snap off, who obviously has persevered through uh, just a hellish bout of season ending injuries. Uh, the 49ers have openly said that they want to sign him to the practice squad, uh, but he hasn't signed to the practice squad. So I'm just reading the tea leaves here, Matt. It seems to me that Jason Verrett wants an active roster spot. But the 49ers aren't willing to go there. That pays a whole lot more, by the way. But the 49ers aren't willing to go there uh, because of the injury history right now. And and they don't want to displace somebody on the active roster only for, for Verrett to come with his injury risk again. So, um, you know, maybe the situation changes moving forward because that there is another injury to the 49ers in their defensive backfield. And Verrett has the leverage and they bring him in then. But... Uh, the 49ers at this point of the season, they're looking for somebody with with a good attitude that will fit the room. Uh, and, you know, you could just snap your finger and it starts rolling. And and Jason Verrett is definitely much more of that type of player than, than Marcus Peters. Yeah. Um, you know, my reaction to that is uh, can can Jason Verrett be choosy <laughs> like that? I mean, it doesn't seem like he's got uh, a lot of teams beating down his door to sign him. He's got that extensive, extensive injury history um and uh boy and if i were him i might uh take the practice squad spot uh knowing that um if he does well on the practice squad if he's healthy uh then he's got a really really good shot of being um activated or or maybe he's leery of the 49ers signing him to the practice squad and then doing the thing where they elevate him a few times during the season but never fully commit um, that could that could be it as well, but um, uh, I think the bottom line is that the 49ers would like to have him in there. Uh, they they believe in him and they believe in his character, as as you've been saying. Uh, but uh, might be a little bit tentative, just given the fact that every time he gets on the field, he has a season-ending injury, and and it's emotional for the 49ers. I mean, th- these uh, these players really love him. I mean, they they respect the hell out of him. And when he's had these uh, devastating injuries, they've they've felt it. I mean, it's been uh, it's it's shaken the, the locker room just about every time it's happened. So um, there's a lot of uh, I guess emotional weight there uh, when you're talking about bringing Jason Barrett back. Uh, Malik, our uh, loyal friend and, and follower, Malik H uh, has a question for you, David. He says, Lombardi, you're a big foodie. Which one are you hitting on this trip, Pats or Geno's? I think those well, are uh, uh, Philly <laughs> cheesesteak uh, places. 
Yeah. So last year after the game, I hit one of the two. And, you know, this is the Philadelphia listeners are going to think this is blasphemous. I don't remember which one I went to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was after a long day of work, right? We had to cover the NFC championship game. I'm, I'm going to get a cheesesteak. I picked one up for Marcus Thompson, too. And I took my uh, in, in the Uber, I swung by his hotel and dropped one off for him. So maybe he'll remember. Um, it was either Pat's or Gino's. I wasn't really impressed. I, I had 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 better cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. And then when I talk to actual Philadelphians, they'll tell me the same thing. They're like, yeah, Pat's, Gino's, th- those aren't the best places. That Jim's is, is known as being better. And then Mike McGlinchey would always talk about Delisandro's, which is like 30 minutes out of the way. Uh, I think north of, of downtown Philadelphia, uh, that was near to where, where Mike McGlinchey grew up. And, and a lot of people will say Delisandro is the place to go. Problem is, I never rent a car anymore on, on these trips, um, you know, with Uber. And but I like taking public transit if I can. Uh, so, so these places, though, that are, you know, out in the suburbs or 30 minutes away, sometimes they're a little bit harder to get to. So I, I'm not flying out till 6 p.m. on Monday, Matt. Um, so maybe I'll have a little chance to explore and, and go check out the place that McGlinchey always talked about. But I did check out either Pat's or Gino's last year, and I can unequivocally say that I was not impressed. Well, I think that McGlinchey um, had Delisandro's uh, make uh, cheesesteak uh, sandwiches for the whole team when they played there. What was it? Uh, it was after the D- Detroit. 2021. Uh, yeah, 2021. And um, they won that game, so maybe uh, Delisandro's is the uh, is the good luck charm. Maybe maybe that should be the spot for uh, for the Forty ers Yeah, uh, and that twenty twenty one game was interesting because that was the early iteration of these same Eagles, right? Nick Sirianni was at the beginning of his tenure as the coach. Jalen Hurts was the QB. You had, I mean, a lot of the star players that uh, have now turned the Eagles into a juggernaut were uh, were on that team, but they weren't. You know, it hadn't yet developed into what we see today. And the 49ers went in there and they won a rough and tumble game. It was an ugly, defensive minded game. And the 49ers were really, really proud of that victory because that was a really good Philadelphia defensive line. We talked a lot about that. A lot of people kind of scoffed at the time and they said, oh, this 49ers team that just means the offense isn't very good. But I think that it quickly became apparent, didn't it, that that this Philadelphia team is for real, that that defensive line can create a whole lot of havoc and uh, to survive that havoc as an offense in that stadium isn't easy. And the 49ers didn't do it with a better team in 2022. So now they have to try to do it here in 2023 where, you know, there's going to be so much of a focal point on the 49ers offensive line against what the the Eagles are bringing pass rushing wise. But I want to drop a stat here that I think is really, really relevant to this game, Matt. The Eagles on intermediate passes, that's 10 to 20 yards downfield and in between the numbers. So the intermediate middle of the field, they've given up a QBR, not a passer rating, a QBR of over 95. That's, that's a, that, that's an insanely high QBR, but 100 is a perfect score, 95. So quarterbacks have been completing the ball with, a, you know, w- without re- restriction to the middle of the field. Philadelphia might be missing their top linebacker, Zach Cunningham, who's got a hamstring injury that could make matters even worse. Brock Purdy, meanwhile, has been the most efficient quarterback on documented record since the pro football focus started tracking this about 20, 25 years ago to the intermediate portion of the field. He's averaging 
13 yards per attempt. We know the 49ers love that part of the field because that's where you could set up yards after the catch. To me, uh, if the Eagles can't find a way to mitigate these massive struggles over the middle of the field defensively, uh, the 49ers will just be able to strangle time of possession in this game. It'll just be intermediate throw, intermediate throw, intermediate throw over and over and over again. To me, right there, that's that's the central battle of this game, Matt. Well, sounds like it could be a uh, a big game for George Kittle, big game for Christian McCaffrey. Oh yeah. Oh, well, one more thought: the Eagles are number thirty-two, dead last in defensive efficiency covering tight ends. So yes, you are correct, George Kittle. Well, unless they uh, they keep Kittle in for for blocking, he did a lot of that against the uh, the Seahawks and. Um, you know, the 49ers do have some issues with uh, the right side of their line, which um, might be where Hassan Reddick is uh, is lining up. I think he's got eight and a half sacks. He's doing Hassan Reddick things this year. So, uh, yeah, it might uh, might be what the uh, the 49ers choose to do with uh, with George Kittle that uh, kind of uh, steers that that part of it. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, again. Um, you know, weather could, uh, could be a factor there. Uh, I think the 49ers definitely should be hoping for mild weather and, uh, little precip- precipitation so that they can kind of work that type of, uh, uh, that offense that you're talking about. Um, anything else jump out to you, David, about matchups and, uh, you know, where the 49ers might have an advantage, where the Eagles might have an advantage, um, Obviously, the uh, the 49ers' aggressive pass rush, if that doesn't hit home, um, I just feel like uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be looking for those openings. When that happens, this is why teams are able to um, uh, have success in the, uh, the screen game as well. When that happens, that means that there's a lot of space now between the defensive line and the next defender. Um, and, uh, that's why running quarterbacks have so much success against them. Well, the whole unit defensively is going to have to be on point. Jalen Hurts holds the ball on average from snap to release for 3.1 seconds, which is the longest out of any qualifying quarterback in the NFL. And it's because by design, they do not feature the short game in Philadelphia. They, they want Jalen Hurts to run. He's the third most productive running quarterback in the league. And they want him to, to move around, use his legs to create the opportunity for busted coverages and big plays downfield. So it's going to be about both the 49ers pass rush and the 49ers coverage to make sure that this kind of stuff can't happen. They need to keep Jalen Hurts within his little box there. They need to make sure that there isn't crazy off-schedule stuff downfield. I think a promising stat for the 49ers from last year that their two top cornerbacks, Charvarius Ward and Diomino Lenore, combined to allow only two catches for 16 yards. And obviously, they're doing a lot of the guarding of Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown. Uh, if you go back and watch the tape of that game, a lot of nice plays downfield from Ward and Lenore. That's something that can really help the 49ers pass rush hem Jalen Hurts in. But on that pass rush front, it's really interesting. If you watch the tape of what Buffalo tried to do last week, they actually intentionally took steam out of their pass rush to make sure they were in the correct position so Jalen Hurts wouldn't escape the pocket. So they weren't rushing as hard. They were just kind of strategically, I don't want to say standing there, but there was a lot more standing around just so they wouldn't get sucked in and allow Jalen Hurts to run. 
in a way, they neutered their pass rush, Buffalo did, for a lot of that game. And I don't think it paid off for them. Philly, Philly still scored 30-plus. I don't see the 49ers doing that with Nick Bosa and Chase Young. I mean, you've got a couple Ferraris in the garage there, and you don't want to leave them parked in the garage. You want to make sure that they're out there with their engines revving. And that's just that puts a lot of pressure on the Ferraris on the defensive line for the 49ers. If you're going to tell them to rush aggressively, which I think they will, um, they also have to keep an eye out on rushing cohesively and rushing in a way that doesn't give Jalen Hurts those escape patches, right? So it's going to take a very finely coordinated defensive effort, rushing coverage, and the pass rush itself also has to be coordinated, Matt. This, this to me, is a great litmus test for a 49ers defense, and especially a defensive line that over the past three games has been putting up better numbers than even the 2019 defensive line did in its prime with D Ford healthy. So if they can do it again in this game, you could probably say with a lot of certainty, okay, the 49ers have finally found a way to improve their defensive line. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I agree with what David was saying. Um, I, I think uh, one guy to keep an eye on could be a very interesting game for this guy is Javon Kinlaw. If Eric Armstead doesn't play, it's uh, going to be a heavy Javon Kinlaw game. And I think everybody remembers what happened to Kinlaw uh, against the Eagles in the championship game. Really was uh, was shoved around by that defensive line um, and uh, sort of uh, symbolized uh, you know, the, the, the 49ers futility in that game. He's been playing a lot better. He hasn't been dominant by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but uh, he's, been, um, he's been quite good at times, uh, along with everybody else, really has played well coming out of the bye. Uh, I could tell you that he'd love to have a, a measure of revenge uh, for this game in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, we should note we ha- we have a lot of um, Philly cheesesteak comments. Kyle F says Cleavers is the new standard uh, cheesesteak shop in this in Center City. Uh, Reynolds D lives in Philadelphia. He says Jim Steaks on Fourth and South Street. Um, that, yeah, that's the one I mentioned. That that one's downtown too, or close to downtown. So yeah, not as tough as Delosandros. Reynolds says. Uh, Go anywhere but Pats or Geno's. Those are the two that you want to avoid. Um, let's see. There was one more other good question. Oh, um, about uh, about uh, George Odom's loss, David. Um, who's the next guy up at safety? 
Um, is it this new guy, Eric Harris? Do you think that he's had enough time? If, if something were to happen to either uh, Gibson or Brown in this game, who uh, who steps in at safety? I, I think they believe in Taylor Hawkins to be the very next man up. I think Harris is 33. You just brought him in. Uh, and it, obviously it's going to take a little bit of time for him to, to get versed in the, in the system. But the, they've got they've got Hawkins on the practice squad, and he, he'll probably get flexed up for this game to, to be depth. I, maybe Harris will too uh, because he's got a lot of special teams experience, over 1,500 career snaps worth. And that's really where the George Odom loss – hurts the most. He was the NFL's leader in special teams tackles this year. He's number two this season. Odom posted on social media yesterday, Matt, that he's going to be back this year. He said two months. And if you do the math, two months from now, that's about when the NFC championship game would be. So um, Odom, that that actually shines a light on a big concern entering this game. 49ers special teams is number 27 in the league. Um, They've dropped back down again. This is like 2021 level stuff. We've seen them struggle with coverage on both punt and kick returns over the past two weeks. Now they're losing their best player in George Odom. I think that they have some promising rookies. Darrell Luter saved the touchdown on that kick return. He should be a good special teams player. Hell, I think that Robert Beale Jr. might be a really good special teams player. He runs a 4-4-40 and he weighs 247 pounds. So that might be one of the answers for the 49ers there. And obviously Eric Harris with his 1,500 career snaps. So don't discount the importance of special teams. The Eagles have a top five unit, and the 49ers have the number 27 ranked unit. And uh, the Eagles, I mean, special teams saved them against the Bills. Jake Elliott kicked the 59-yarder in the rain. You know, uh, it's funny. I was telling somebody, I was just having a casual, oh, I was talking to Margo. I was talking to my wife. And my, my, my prediction is that Jake Moody is going to win this game with a kick. Because everybody's talking about, you know, Jake Elliott and uh, the 49ers special teams being terrible and everything. I, and, and, and the rain game and Moody missing in Cleveland. I, I think that this is the game where, where it's going to rest on Jake Moody's shoulders, man. And he's going he's gonna to have a, a big opportunity at the end. The two Jakes. Um, we should note that uh, another guy who didn't practice yesterday was Jordan Mason, uh, who's got a hamstring issue. That, that seems ominous. Uh, and I bring that up because um, Mason is, has become one of the stalwarts on special teams. And if he doesn't play, it probably means that Ty Davis Price is up. Ty Davis Price hasn't played very much at all this year. Uh, just means another newcomer to the, uh, the special teams. And, that, and that's what sort of uh, creates problems. You have a lot of new faces. Uh, people aren't in the right spots. They're not familiar with one another. And that's how some of these uh, these big returns occur. But I, I agree with you, David. I mean, they, they seem to have the personnel to be good on uh, special teams coverage. I mean, they've got the, the longtime special teams guys, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, uh, Charlie Warner, Orrin Burks. They've got the young guys who can move. Uh, I, I'd add D. Winters to that list. Um, they, they, it, on paper, it seems like it should be a very good coverage unit it just hasn't been in practice the last couple of weeks and that seems to rear its head every now and then for these 49ers no matter who's in there no, no matter who the uh special team coach is um it can be a problem and uh it almost allowed uh, the seahawks to kind of crawl back into the game on uh last thursday let's get to our uh our predictions david um how do you see this one playing out and do you have a uh, a final score prediction 
Well, uh, I do think that Jake Moody is going to kick the game winner. I don't know if he's going to have to come onto the field when the 49ers are down or when they're up, but I, I do think the rain's going to be a little bit of a neutralizing factor. San Francisco, when you look at the, the metrics across the board, I, I do think that they're better than, than Philadelphia this year with the exception of special teams. I do think there might be a little bit of a special teams equalization during the course of the game. But ultimately, after uh, you know seeing this play out, I think it's going to be very close down the stretch. 49ers will have the ball. Brock Purdy will have a chance to change a lot of national narratives regarding the MVP race and all that kind of stuff. And I think he'll put the 49ers in position, put Jake Moody in position for a really big kick. And uh, the 49ers knew that, that Jake Moody was going to be in the spotlight in some big situations because that's just how it works in the NFL if you're a good team. And, and I think Jake Moody will make it this time. That's my prediction. So I'm, I'm thinking score-wise, 49 against that defense, but in the rain, I think the 49ers will score 27. And um, uh, let's say 24 for Philadelphia. 27-24 49ers. Now, I just wrote down 27-20 49ers as you were talking. So we're, we're very close on this. Um, I'm, I'm going with the uh, rest beats rain theory. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think the 49ers are going to be very rested. Um, yeah, obviously it's a disappointment that er- er- Eric Armstead uh, didn't practice on Wednesday. We'll have to keep our eye on that. That could mitigate things a little bit, but um, I just think it's going to be a big Christian McCaffrey game. I think it's going to be a big Debo game, big Debo game on the ground. Um, that's going to be their one-two punch for this game, and they're going to, um, uh, eventually wear down the, the Eagles. Now, you know, I think the degree to which they wear down the Eagles or the speed at which they wear down the Eagles is, is a big deal. As, as you noted earlier, the Eagles are good at hanging around. The Eagles are a good fourth quarter team. The Eagles have a very, very strong offensive line and they've got a, uh, oppor- opportunistic, uh, quarterback. If Jalen Hurts wins MVP, not going to be because uh, he's a uh, a lovely passer, efficient passer. It's because he makes big plays when they need to be made, um, and we saw that in the Bills game. So, uh, creating some distance. This is obvious, but uh, you know the the 49ers formula is to get up on a team, make them one dimensional, and then just kind of pick on that one dimension for the rest of the game. That's what needs to happen. They need to have a big first half. Yeah. I think that's that's sound. That's sound analysis, and and I think the 49ers are up for it again. They've got they're playing as as the best team in football right now. That's indisputable. The, the way that they've been performing over the past three weeks has been truly impressive, and it's the number one offense by a lot. It's it's been like the number two or number three defense, and if get special teams has got to be that bridge that doesn't screw things up. And if if it isn't, then you play complimentary football and. You go into Philadelphia and you win. As simple as that. And then maybe you deflate the Eagles. You have to play the Cowboys the week after that. And you could be looking at the one seed if you're the 49ers in two games. But we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. First, they have to go into Philly and, and win this. So good stuff. All right, Matt. Time for me to hit the road. I got to get down to practice. I'll see you there. All right. Yeah. We'll see you in a bit. Cool. All right. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We will talk to everybody soon. Maybe after the 49ers play the Eagles. Take care.